0: Hello, good evening and welcome to Seascapes. Tonight we're in the K Club in County Kildare where a group of inner city school children have been learning to fly fish and in the latest of our lighthouse visits we're at Minehead in County Waterford. The K-Club in Straffan is renowned for its golf courses and beautiful grounds, but it's also home to a series of fishing lakes maintained for its clients. This week, the lakes were hosting a group of transition year students from the Dublin Inner City School, CBS James Street. I went along to meet some of the students and hear about the project, and I first met former CBS pupil Kieran Ward, who's now the K-Club Fisheries Manager and runs the fishing project in the school for the transition year. I was originally an engineer in in
1: Aircom for 42 years, and uh, that's when I was retiring out of there I I took up this project, and I'm now working as uh, the the fishing manager in the K-Club.
0: Tell me about this project first in CBS Jamil Street.
1: Uh, the idea was to, in transition year, you had to f- learn a new skill for the Gashka Awards. So I decided to offer it to my uh, old school. I was to teach them over a 12-week period various aspects of fishing. So we now have it, we, give, we do um, course fishing up in Loch Rammer, pike fishing in Loch Mucknow. And we've come to the K Club for fly fishing, and maybe Arkrow Beach then for some feed fishing.
0: It's an inner city school. It's an experience that a lot of these kids wouldn't have otherwise.
1: Most of them, almost hundred percent of them, have never fished before. Uh, a lot of them haven't been as far as Castle Castleblaney in the past. Uh, so, they, but they really love it. We get. It's said in fishing that you can't get kids away from uh, an Xbox and to take up fishing, which you can certainly get them away from double the match to take up fishing.
0: Okay. What about the K-Club here? You're the fishing manager here. We're on one of your lakes, but you've got several.
1: There's about 12 to 15 fish, fishable lakes. Uh, one half of them are rainbows and, and brown trout, and it's all fly fishing. And then on this side, it's natural uh, pike. We have carp lake, and we have uh, rud, purebred rod, and roach and other lakes as well.
0: Do your golfers take part and uh, use these lakes as fisheries?
1: Yeah, it, very often what we get is uh, you have American golfers over, and they see people fishing, to come over and and they uh, have a word with you, and the next day they book to fishing because okay. a lot of them are very very interested in fishing.
0: What kind of maintenance now is on something like this? How many lakes do you have here?
1: There's there's over twenty eight lakes, but about twelve to fifteen of them are, are fishable. So we would have to treat them for, we, for weeds, some of them. Um, we put in barley straw then for the algae as well, for maintenance. What? We put <laughs> in bales of, of barley straw, and it helps to inhibit the growth of algae. It's a natural product. Okay.
0: And did you dig out these lakes, or were they, were they here when you, the club arrived?
1: The lakes have been dug out. They're fed from a, a tributary of the Liffey and they went their way through the, the course in various lakes and then back into the Liffey then.
0: On these beautiful lakes, the students were certainly seeing lots of fish. I can help her, will I? Could you help her, frog go- and I'll get a photo. Fo- hey, just gonna leave that go. I'll even him, leave him swim away there for a bit. Wait until we get the net ready. Yeah, keep going, reel in. There you go. Otherwise, oh, that's a big Ooh, one.
2: Oh, look at that.
0: <laughs> reel in a bit more. Now we have to get the net up to you here now.
2: Ooh, that's great.
0: And I go down here and you're going to try and pull the fish in over my neck, okay? Oh, he doesn't like the look of me. There we go. That's a big fish. That is. Yeah. What's your name?
2: Oh, my name's Jamie. Yeah, CBS James Street.
0: What do you think of fishing? You just got an enormous fish.
2: Well, I don't usually do fishing. So this is one of my first times and I'm actually really enjoying it.
0: It's a beautiful place here, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's gorgeous. I just found out that I used to live like around here before, but yeah, the place is lovely.
0: What do you think of that fish? It was a big
3: rainbow trout.
2: Oh, it was huge. I did not expect to catch a fish that big, but here I am.
3: Uh, my name is John Kearney, and I'm here assisting on a James Street project, teaching um, transition year students to fish. How did you get involved in this, and why? I got involved in it because my best friend started a project, uh, one of my best friends started a project a couple of years ago, and when you have a lot of children along the riverbank you need lots of hands on deck, yeah. so he calls in a few friends and we're very happy to come out and work with these wonderful children. From <laughs> They're learning how to cast, they're learning how to catch fish, disgorge fish, and uh, it's just uh, enjoyable to see them learning something new. What do you think
0: fishing teaches young people? Especially um, people like this who,
3: from the inner city and the open landscape like this, isn't that familiar to them? I'm now in my 60s, but I'm fishing since I was their age. And looking back, I realised that looking around this beautiful landscape around the moment, from just, you know, we're in the K-Club, looking around this beautiful landscape around the moment, we didn't realise how calming it was. It's almost a mindfulness exercise. It's really enjoyable. I mean, you're hunting fish. But it's also the coming out, sitting in nature, uh, For a lot of inner city children, for example, they may not get out into the country too often. Mm. Very often around here you'll see buzzards, you'll see hares, you'll see foxes, all that type of stuff. So there's a lot more than just the fishing going on, including the camaraderie and kids getting to learn learn a new skill. We're going to talk to a few of them. Are they enjoying themselves, do you think? Oh God, I hope so, but (laughs) I'll leave that up to them.
0: (laughs) You're in St. James's school out here. What do you think of the K-Club? It's pretty nice. Yeah, it's really nice, especially for where I'm from. Nice bit of air. It's nice to be in the fresh air and out the city. What do you think about the fishing project for as your as a year student, how are you getting on with it? I really enjoy it. I think it's just like a nice way to get out of school and do something that isn't just you know working inside or I think what makes this better than most clips though is that it does a bit a good bit of sense of fulfillment whether or not you get a fish. Like I haven't caught one, but I'm still having a blast. Have you been out other places before this? Uh, yeah, we went to the lakes up in Monaghan, and that was really nice as well. Catch and a fish? No, sadly not. <laughs> what, what's your name? Uh, Roy McGann. What would you hope to do school-wise? Uh, I'd like to go into law or history, I'm thinking of studying in Trinity. Oh, yeah. So hopefully that works out. Look, the best of luck, and I hope you catch a fish as well. <laughs> Thank you, you too.
1: up good stuff? Up
0: Olive Crow is the teacher in CBS who's been coordinating this project for several years. In fact, we met her on the program about four years ago.
4: That's right. Yeah. No, that was that was down in Wicklow, and it's been going strength to strength ever since. Apart from last year with COVID, we had uh, had to take a bit of a break. But I mean, this year we're back bigger than ever. Because after the COVID, I thought, will it come back? Will it have the same kind of legs and energy? And it's fantastic this year now. And Everybody's just really delighted to get back out and out into the fresh air and onto the water.
0: It's part of your transition. Your program. How do you run it, and does what does the IFI do for you?
4: Well, without the IFI uh, and Ciaran Ward, who coordinates it with me, um, it wouldn't be possible. Uh, they give us funding, and um, Ciaran is so in with all the the fisheries, and he at the K Club here. He organises the trips for us. We get on the bus and we uh, turn up and he does classes at, at the school on a Thursday afternoon with them as well and teaches them about fly tying and how to cast and all that and they really love it and I mean it's gone from strength to strength, it has increased our numbers for the transition year which is great for the kids because the transition year gives them a year to experience new things that they wouldn't yeah. experience Had normally. people
0: been skipping it before that? Or- oh
4: They would have, it would have been seen as you know, an extra year to do it would have been a bit of a hassle but with the fishing program all the third years see them head off on the bus and heading fishing and they just want to do it so we've we've huge numbers again for next year for transition year which is fantastic you know and gives them a chance to you know uh, mature for that extra year and they're ready for work then in fifth year
0: what do you think they learn from the fishing program
4: well, it's it's just the new experience. Like I suppose some some people take it for granted, the you know the water and fishing and new hobbies and that. But for kids from the inner city, it's it, it's a different world to them sometimes. You know, um, so it's just to get out here to the fresh air, the quietness, the calmness, um, no noise, and just for them to experience that and to hold the rod and to feel the fish in their hands, uh, to feel life. And you know, it, I, I think it's it's a huge experience for them that they wouldn't have gained otherwise
0: and we're out here now in the k club it's a stunning
4: place yes it's absolutely stunning um the kids can't get over we're on golf golf buggies there they enjoyed that as much as the fishing so i mean it's a fantastic setting and a fantastic facility to have just outside of the city you know we're really thankful to them for letting us use their facilities and you know they've treated us really well
5: Well, bring
6: them up over the net take in a little bit of wine that's the one
2: well done Nicole. Okay, well
0: done. <laughs> What's your name?
2: Aunt Nicole Corish.
0: <laughs> Nicole, how many fish have you caught today? Uh,
2: this is my second one.
0: What do you think of what do you think of the fishing, the fly fishing is a bit complicated, is it? It
2: is casting it out, but doing the actual fishing, it's really fun. Yeah. Like I'd recommend it.
0: Would you? Yeah. Okay. It's
2: like relaxing, but once you get like the fish, it's like a bit of a kick. Okay. So it's really fun. Are you going to get your photograph of this guy?
6: Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll get another picture, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Now Nicole. Ready?
1: Remember? Uh,
0: yeah. Now, is that a brown trout? Uh,
2: I'm actually not sure what type of fish it is, but I do think it is a trout. Like, it's really pretty. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, it's a,
0: it's, a, rainbow. it's, it's a rainbow. I see the colour on him now, yeah. Have you been fishing other places in this uh, programme in transition year?
2: Uh, yeah, we've done two other trips so far, which were all different ones. One was pike and... Did
0: you catch anything there?
2: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think i caught like two or three. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but like doing the fishing there it was more relaxing Where like you could feel it and you could reel it in okay. it was the first one I think we did and it was like really fun and while we were doing that like it was more relaxing in the atmosphere because the little place we were doing it in and I think a bunch more people caught more as well and yeah it was just really fun that day because it was the first one so first time happening
0: yeah I hear it takes a bit more concentration yeah
2: because like looking down you have to make sure like you get it and like they're really slippery even in the water because like it depends on where you get it because uh, I think my first one it was just a tug, and then my line, the little thing on it, it got caught. Fish took it.
0: Is it something that's very popular among people in transition year? This program?
2: Uh, yeah, I think they do it every year for transition years. Like it's just a popular activity that it's like very fun to do. So I like I think people do like to do it more. The whole thing about like you're learning how to fish, so you can go on it later in life if you choose to. And, like, even so, it's a fun activity for a transition year in a hull.
0: Is something you think you'd keep up?
2: If I could, probably, like, once in a while.
0: Could I ask your name? Uh, Martin Keys. You're a bit of a fish man, you caught how many fish? Uh, two. What? They're quite big, aren't they? Yeah, they are.
5: They're uh, very big and they're very aggressive.
0: They don't let you take them. So, what are you, do you know what that fly you're using is there? Uh, not at all. <laughs> okay. Where, have you been fishing before with this program, or where, where have you gone?
5: I've gone up to Monaham to do I think pike fishing was it? Any I... luck there? No, no. It's harder, all. isn't it? Yeah. What'd you think of the Kate Club? It's a very, very rich looking place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, ho oh, oh, big fish just jumped in front of you there. We we'll come back to you when you catch another one.
5: Okay,
0: Nicola. I knew you'd catch a fish. How many is this you've caught?
5: Uh, two. This would be my third.
0: Here he comes.
7: Well
5: John? That's Martin's turn. Well
0: John? <laughs> Josie Mahan, are you unusual in being a woman in inland fisheries?
7: Probably, Fergal. Yes, I would say I'm unusual. All right. There is certainly quite um, a good representation of females in inland fisheries, Ireland, and it's certainly growing. It's an outdoor sport. Fishing is fantastic. Whatever you are, whoever you are, wherever you come from, for anybody who enjoys the outdoors, it certainly really is a very worthwhile recreational pursuit, males and females. Are there many women involved?
0: There are. In in angling rather than inland fisheries.
7: Yes, there are. There are a few women involved and they're certainly becoming more because as we have more role models for fishing for women, then more people are encouraged to take it up. And we are here today with Transition Year from James Street and that's pretty much 50-50 male and female and it's great to have them here today. And we certainly see with the groups of young people that we bring out, females are very interested and they're very encouraged to go fishing.
0: Fishing seemed to me, and to you as well, I know, it seemed to have exploded during uh, all the lockdowns because it gave people an interest
7: in their local area. It certainly did, there's no doubt about it the last couple of years have really sparked a huge interest in our natural environment and fishing as you say was one of those things that saw a huge increase because people could go out on their own local doorstep to their own local river, canal, the coastline and take up a bit of fishing so listen, we, it was great to see and we certainly would hope and encourage people to continue their love of the outdoors in fishing
0: Des true uh, Inland Fisheries tell me about the programme you've got here
5: well, this is a, a programme that was designed for transition year students in, in James's Street. And um, sure as you can see, the students here today have come on and le- le- leaps and bounds, Fergal. And they're, they're practising the fly fishing skills they learned in the schoolyard. Really? Is that how you start? Yeah, so this all started casting into hula hoops in the schoolyard, learning a bit of accuracy and distance. And then that was obviously followed by a few presentations in the school. And now here we are outdoors today, putting it into practice and catching fish. Isn't it great to see? Now, we've been speaking to Olive Crow. She says there's a big takeoff. But How many
0: people can you handle at any one time?
5: Well, today we have 12 because we're fly fishing, but there's about 25 on this particular course. And, of course, everybody wants to come on the one day, but in order to be able to provide, you know, the sort of high-level tuition we're providing here with fly fishing, it takes a a good bit of um, hands-on tuition, if you like. So we've divided the group into two today.
0: They have sponsorship for quite a lot of it, but the IFI, you're doing it then voluntarily as part of your school's programme?
5: Yes, I mean, it's a combination of, fu- of funding. There's a small bit of private funding. The school are obviously involved in a bit of funding, and the Inland Fisheries Ireland have been uh, also involved in sponsorship because the children have to get here, public transport and, and private buses and so on.
0: We're told all the time that young kids are not taking up angling.
5: Yeah, I mean, like the thing is, like this is a kind of hobby that if you can get into this, th- th- this is a pastime you can have for life. And they say that angling is the original mindfulness, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that it is. It's great for people's mental health. It gets young people into the outdoors, it gets them away from the screens. And you know what, the fish very often here, as you can see, are being released. It's just fantastic for young people, and again, they get a great appreciation for the natural environment if
0: there's any other school who wants to engage in a programme like this, is it possible for them?
5: Yes, and they can contact Inland Fisheries Ireland through our outreach programme, the Dublin Angling Initiative. And they were always taking inquiries and would be very interested to talk to schools or anybody interested in taking up fishing.
0: And that was a really enjoyable morning out earlier this week. And thanks to the K-Club and Kieran Ward and to the students of CBS James Street and Inland Fisheries. For the past few months, we've been visiting some of the lighthouses along our coast. And on Sunday, May the 8th, a new series of the Great Lighthouses of Ireland starts on RT1 television. On our own visits to lighthouses, we were last at Ballycotton in Cork. And tonight we head east along the southern coast across that wide Dungarvan Bay to Minehead in County Waterford. At 87 metres above sea level, the lighthouse is the highest in Ireland. No Sweeney met the current attendant at Minehead, Paud Morrissey, who has worked there since 1986.
6: Perched halfway between the lighthouses of Ballycotton and Hookhead, sits the Minehead lighthouse in County Waterford. Minehead is a sister lighthouse to Ballycotton. They were both built by George Halpin, the engineer well known for having built a number of lighthouses all around the coast the lights of both began circulating out to sea on the same night in 1851. Today, the responsibility of the day-to-day running of Minehead falls on Pod Morrissey, who has been in attendance there since 1986. And at 87 metres above sea, we met in the lantern room of the highest-built lighthouse in the country. The bulb is an LED bulb, so the rotating fresnel is gone now, is that is that
0: right? Sir? It is,
8: yeah. The lenses have been stopped for the last seven or eight years, and uh, of course the mercury had to be drained, and um, so now what we have is an LED light. You don't have the lenses twisting, um, but you have the same character of light in the LED light. So we're up here in
6: the lantern room, so is this technically the the highest lantern room in Ireland? It is, yeah.
8: It's the highest light in Ireland, Uh, over high water, which is 87 metres. When we look east and west, what are the main views? Uh, the main view is, uh, the nearest one will be Dungarvan Harbour, but you can actually see as far as the Hoog. And um, that's east, west, you can see as far as Bellycotton. Now you can see Bellycotton Island. but I can see it anyway, straight over, beyond the Armour Head. It's just peeping out. Ah, oh,
6: yes, yes, yes
8: there must be some um, amazing sea traffic going past here at, at, at times is there oh yeah especially if the weather is fine um, of course the traffic is going the whole time but when you have good visibility you can see a lot of big ships passing a lot of freight I guess and um, some passenger yeah in the summer time you get a lot of the cruise ships coming you see them going up and down and of course the big container ones and the oil ones of course they are the out of is- they're out five or six miles.
6: And you've been here since 1986, as you said. So what was your job
8: like at the start when you came in? What, what were your main responsibilities? Uh, my na- main responsibility was painting. Um, if something goes wrong, we'll say with the light, report it. If you can't fix it, fix it. If not, report it and get someone down to fix it.
6: There's a big, long and windy road coming in off, th- off from the main road there. It's, it's well isolated from... Even though it's on the mainland, it's a very isolated lighthouse.
8: It is, but really, I suppose uh, all lighthouses are. But there is a long winding road into it. And that's the way it is, I suppose. <laughs> uh, when was it built, and what was the
6: I suppose what was the, what's the main history behind
8: the the minehead? Uh, it was the light was first established in 1851 itself in Ballycotton. At the time, it was coal, coal gas was the, the main light and then after a number of years it developed into paraffin and the electricity came in 1970 so we're back to batteries now
6: when the uh, electricity came in 1971 was that the the first phase of the automation
8: it was yeah uh, that was the first phase technically the keepers were shifted out of here then you had just had one keeper and how did you happen across the job? Uh, well, my brother was an Irish light. He was a light keeper. And I have been down here since I was a child. So, it just happened that when, when the vacancy arose, I applied for it and I, I was accepted as an attendant.
6: Yeah. Like As a child, I suppose, what was your perception of
8: lighthouses back then? Well, my uncle used work down here, so I have, I've been always down here. I remember when the paraffin was here. In the, especially in the winter he, he was taken on as a temporary in the winter because of course the, you have a, a lot of darkness in the winter time so you have a lot of people you have a lot of people working here then
6: And How many would have been here roughly can you remember?
8: Uh, you'd have the assistant keeper, you'd have the principal keeper, supernumerary and then you'd have a, a temporary as well You'd have four people.
6: Like who would have lived here and how many families would have been here at the time and over the years, to your knowledge?
8: um, You'd normally have two families. You'd have the principal keeper and you'd have the assistant keeper. And then you'd have supernumeraries coming. Supernumeraries were trainees. They might come for two or three weeks and then move on again. But you'd always have two families living here. And how long would they, like what kind of tenure would they have over, over... depending uh, some could stay maybe for three four years two years depending then they'd be moved on to another station and then, of course they would have been
6: integrated into the community here as well oh. and, yeah
8: yeah of course yeah they went to school I went to school with a lot of lightkeepers
6: on a nice day when you're looking out uh, west there you can see the belly cotton lighthouse what's the link oh, there's a historical link here isn't there to the to, between the two lighthouses
8: uh, the two lighters were built at the same time. The two lights were established uh, in 1851, the same day. Ballycotton
6: is a black day signal. This is a white with a one black, is that? That's right. And then Hook is white with two black, is that? That's or, right. Okay.
8: That's called the day signal, the day markings. Of course, all the lights are different as well. Uh, mine head uh, is four flashes every 20 seconds.
6: When you came into the job as a lighthouse attendant, at the time was there lighthouse keeper still being hired as well, or was that job being phased out in 1986?
8: Probably, it was being phased out at that stage. Yeah, it was.
6: Lighthouses have become something of a tourist attraction. You know, this seems quite closed off. Is there any any plans to open this to the public?
8: Not at the minute, no. Um, you have, as you know, some of marrow opened, but it's just the logistics don't suit this place at the minute
6: when I started doing this series actually I, I hadn't heard of Mindhead, So, in, is that common I think for people or? Uh,
8: probably is because it's inaccessible but uh, a lot of foreign people find it actually if you like people people like coming to lighthouses and some people they come from Germany Holland and they really they do find it you know
6: Lighthouse enthusiasts who've travelled the
8: world to see them, yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we also had the American Lighthouse Society down here; they travelled here as well, you know. So, I suppose if you want to know, you will know. And what's the
6: what's the distance between um, Ballycotton and here, and then here to Loop or to
8: Hook? Probably um, the Hook, I'd say, is about twenty-one miles as the crow flies. Cotton might be something similar.
0: Old Sweeney with Paul Morrissey at Minehead Lighthouse. Now, last week on the programme, I was at the National Maritime Museum in Dunleary to hear about one of the country's most renowned sea captains, Robert Halpin. And I just remind you that after all restrictions have been lifted, the museum is now open seven days a week. And that's it for Seascapes for this week. We have no programme next week as RT Radio will have a special late debate on the Northern Ireland elections but we're back on May 13th. In the meantime, all items on the show are available as podcasts on our website rte.ie slash seascapes and if you want to contact me the email is seascapes at If you're anywhere on or near the water over the next two weeks, stay safe.
6: Teascapes is presented and produced by Fergal Keen.